This is just the usual reminder that this show may contain some adult language and humour, and all opinions expressed by guests are solely their own. I'm Damien Edwardson, one half of Art92 and the creator of the sci-fi wrestling comic, The Galaxy Grappling Alliance. And welcome to Oh Men To That, the chip-free sporadic podcast series where I'll be talking to a selection of hand-picked guests on a diverse range of topics centred in and around the world of art, comics and all things creative. So on today's show, we continue our look at the art of self-publishing with the man behind the unique Fred Egg Comics. With a long history of comics creation, including such titles as Berserkatron, Dump, Belltown, and most recently, The Taybridge Disaster. He's appeared in numerous anthologies and has also written many articles for the likes of Comics International, the International Journal of Comic Art, and Comic Scene UK, to name but a few. And if that wasn't enough, he's one part of the brilliant comics podcast, That Comic Smell, and can often be found moonlighting on the equally fantastic Never Iron Anything podcast with Tony Esmond. He's a true comics aficionado and a font of sequential knowledge. And it's my absolute pleasure to say a big hello to David Robertson. Oh, hello, Damien. I'm <laughs> flabbergasted by that, that introduction. Yeah. Dummy, dummy homework. I'm, I wasn't going to list everything you've appeared in because... It'd be like a bloody Kurosawa film. We'd be here for about six hours. Oh, well, that's okay. Start it up. Let's go. <laughs> Brilliant. You know, yeah. I hate to be a pain in the arse right off, but it's bell time, not bell town. I thought I said bell time. I do apologise. I thought you, I thought you said bell time, so we'll find out in the playback. It's my accent. <laughs> no, no. So uh, it's been a bit odd, obviously, for the last year or so, but uh seems to be keeping yourself busy. Yeah, I um, I'm I'm doing okay, thank you. I, I I put I set out a bunch of plans for the summer for getting comics done, um, and I was all set to go. And then I got a phone call last week saying, "Okay, David, uh, come back into work doing your regular hours again." So all oh. my plans have kind of gone down the toilet. Yeah, because I was furloughed, so I had a lot right. more things to work. Uh, but now I don't so much. But that's okay. We'll just carry on. Um, yeah. I've, yeah, got I've been spoiled, you know. Yeah, I've been working from home since um, this all started. I was quite fortunate in so much. Well, I suppose fortunate in one sense that you can work from home because it cuts the commute out. But the negative side is because you're working from home, they just think you're available all the time. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's like, no, <laughs> I'm turning everything off and I'm going into the studio and I'm going to draw. You it's have quite to do funny. that, don't you? You, you do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about your, your process later on, but you kind of have to do that, don't you? Where, you know, we have to be quite disciplined about working regularly, you know, like getting up into the studio. Even if you just do an hour, it's worth it just to just to keep things moving along, we'll say. But you're all safe and well, the family's safe and well. and Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah, no no, uh, no major catastrophes. Not, not even any minor ones, to be fair. I don't know why I'm being so dramatic about it. <laughs> There's a story in there. <laughs> Super. And I mean, thanks for coming on. As I was talking to you 
bit early before we start recording and um we've been rescheduling this episode quite a bit as i did with the previous one with ian richardson because just things i had a series of technical disasters and um other things so i do appreciate you hanging around and, and finally we we get to do this mate. oh because yeah we're... yeah my pleasure so a little bit about your comics history then because i mean you you know you do know a lot of stuff i've got to be honest with you I'm, it's quite intimidating you know and i, I listen to you on, on tony's podcast particularly and, and you know your onions as it were so where is your comics history have you always liked comics from being a kid is it just something that that's always been in you or, or did it develop it later on um yeah i it's funny, I don't think of myself as being this comics knowledge brain box or anything like that. Um, it's funny to hear you put it like that. I've just always loved comics and spent my whole life reading them and was interested to find out all the ins and outs of, of them, you know. And especially on Tony's podcast, I mean, I might know everything that we're talking about, but it's because I pick all the comics, you know, that we talk <laughs> about. So <laughs> it's yeah. not like he's springing surprises on me and I just happen to know all this stuff. But you pick up uh, uh, knowledge, don't you, as you go along. And so I was always reading comics from right. I mean, in my memory, it's probably preschool, you know, the dandy. Uh, there used to be the nutty. I don't know if that's maybe before your time. That was another DC Thompson one. Right. And also reading um, the IPC ones like Whoopi and uh, Wizard and Chips. And, yeah. And the... Uh, uh, and also you got the, the Marvel UK, you used to get Spider-Man Weekly, Star Wars Weekly. Uh, in the late 70s, you could also pick up American DC and Marvels occasionally in the newsagents. Mm. So I would get things like The Flash and The Hulk and the X-Men. And in fact, um, I was speaking to Tony about how my first... X-Men comic was the first issue, it just so happened, it was happened. It was the first issue episode of the Dark Phoenix saga. That's, wow. the first one I, that's the first one I happened to pick up. And then the first Iron Man comic I happened to pick up was the Demon in the Bottle one, where he's like right. going through his alcoholic breakdown. Yeah. Uh, just through sheer coincidence, that's what I read. Um, and then I, I guess uh, maybe a few years later on, I, I was getting 2000 AD as well and uh, the Eagle just any comic I could get my hands on I wanted to read it you know because yeah. there was like Asterix books and all that as well I just loved all of it yeah 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 I, it's funny because I was talking about this on um, Stuart Mulrain's podcast I know you've, you've been on that as well and I was explaining that you know we didn't have a comic shop where I grew up not that I knew of anyway and they, they used to have this news agents that would have them all pegged on a string across the uh-huh. top of the counter and you'd, you'd look up and go cool can I, can I have a look at that one you know and, and like you say the marvel uk reprints and stuff you know i used yeah. to oh god i used to love those and there seems to be a new one every week you know a different one and That's you can right. never you can never get a run of them you know it'd be like spider-man and his <laughs> amazing friends one week and rampage the next week and things like that and I, oh i used to absolutely love going in that paper shop and just just um, kind of gazing up at all these delights dangling in front of me and so did they have them up on a on a clothes peg yeah you had to actually ask you had to ask yeah you had them pegged on a string and that's putting um, pressure on you isn't it that is that you know because you've got to make a choice what you want because he was a bit of a grumpy get as well so you couldn't ask him to look at that one can look at that once you decided you were looking at it you were basically buying it you know Mm -hmm. 
he wasn't having that. And my, my first experience of actually picking up American comics was um, when we used to go on holiday to North Wales. And for some reason, the holiday camps always had spinner racks of comics. And I can remember the first time I walked in and it was mainly DC. You didn't get very many Marvel comics on the spinner racks. And I'm not sure what that was about because I spoke to other people who always said that they had an abundance of Marvel comics. Um, but mm. you know, it, was, it was always Batman and JLA and things like that, you know, and it was, it was like, yeah, it was, it was incredible. <laughs> yeah. You used to also get those bags with three comics in and you could see the two on either side and there was another one in the middle. Yeah. Sealed. So yeah. you had to you had to take a chance on what the middle one was. Again, when I was living in Wales, because we moved to Wales and when I was a bit older, there used to be this kind of like, um, I don't know, it was kind of like a, a, a kind of cheap jack store, you know, that would sell a load of weird stuff. You know, you could buy like a see-through umbrella or a bag of comics and things like that, you know. <laughs> and I always remember sometime in the um, mid 80s mid to late 80s that uh, they used to sell like you say these poly bagged like lucky dip comics but there were magazines and you'd get things like you know heavy metal stuff like that you know and, and some of the, uh, the the kind of horror magazine and you know a lot of the dead skin stuff was bagged in there as well it was it was a bizarre oh. collection but yeah i used to love going there and picking them i'm sure i was too young for them at the time but you know my mum and dad didn't bother kept me quiet <laughs> me sitting reading von Bode and things like that you know, like, <laughs> looks cute doesn't it from a distance <laughs> yeah it's just a comic isn't it what harm That's can it, it do it. yeah so do you, did you grow up with a preference towards kind of like um marvel or dc or, or have you always been very open to to a broad range of kind of comic styles and stuff um the the marvel dc split never really sat right with me you know that there was all that much difference between any of them I never really viewed it that way. I just thought it was all superheroes, you know. Uh, and especially when artists and creators were jumping from title to title across companies, it always felt like a bit of a false dichotomy to me. Especially as it got on into the later 80s, uh, you had Frank Miller, he was all over the place, wasn't he? And So no, I just liked all of them, I think. I would yeah. Say. yeah. Yeah. I always say that my favourite was The Hulk. My favourite superhero was the Hulk, and I always say that because he used to be on TV when I was a kid. Yeah. And I, I used to love watching that. And one of the first comics I remember getting was the British Hulk comic, number one. Wow. And so I must have got that because I liked him on TV. Yeah. So I always like to say my favourite is the Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, you always get asked that. So I've found that you need a, an answer ready. <laughs> you tell you tell anybody in the street, you know, or at work, oh, I like comics. They go, oh, who's your favourite superhero? So I've just learned that you have to have an answer ready. And, you know, it's true. I do love the Hulk. You know, yeah. I like the way he just smashes everything up. Yes. That, that appeals to me. Yeah. I never quite like it when they make him a bit too um, self-aware. You know what I mean? It kind of takes something away. And again, yeah. maybe maybe I love the interpretation of the Hulk from a TV show. I used to, I used to adore that. You know, oh, yeah. um, that and the Spider-Man TV show at the time oh, yeah, as well. Oh, yeah, that as well, yeah. Oh, God. Do you know what? You can keep your modern Marvel, you know? <laughs> <laughs> to me, well, he's the real Spider-Man, Nicholas Hammond. He's Spider-Man. Oh, he was brilliant, wasn't he? Yeah. He was brilliant. And I was talking to someone, and they, they said, they watched him, um, I think it was on YouTube, they watched some old videos of it, and they're saying, did you notice, though, he just used to throw this white rope as the web? And I'm like, no. 
<laughs> I didn't notice that, and I don't wish no, to know it. He, did, he didn't do that. He he had web shooters in his wrists, and he and he pressed the button, and it shot out. It was just brilliant. like in the comic, yeah. Yeah, I remember bugging me when my dad to go to the cinema to see the films, and um, was it the second one that was basically just like an hour and a half of kung fu fighting? <laughs> it's just. <laughs> Do you know my my parents were never daft enough to fall for that when it, when because <laughs> they put they put the Spider Man in the in the cinemas the Hulk and Battlestar Galactica, and and my parents figured out that these were just TV programs that you know were getting put in the cinema. I remember saying, "Oh, can I go and see the Hulk?" And they went, "Oh, it's been on TV. You've seen it. Oh, <laughs> you didn't care. You wanted to see it again on That's the big it. screen. That was it, wasn't it?" Yeah, Fantastic. I do remember seeing the Spider-Man movies advertised, yeah. and it was there was martial arts ones. There was a few of them, eh? Spider-Man Strikes Again and things like that. Yeah, they yeah. were quality, weren't they? Really quality. They I could mean, learn a thing or two nowadays at, at Marvel Cinematic Universe or whatever it's called. Yeah. They could watch in the old ones and, and learn a trick. No, I, I agree, actually. <laughs> There's something to be said for that simplicity of kind of design and... and storytelling but no it was, it was brilliant stuff and did you always get, kind of always want to create comics then was that did you draw anyway as a kid or did you did that get fired up by your, your love of comics yeah it's uh it's a bit like chicken and egg uh, it's all so long ago i can't quite remember what started what but you know i was reading comics and i was drawing and i was making comics and it was all just happening from before i can even remember um so it's pretty vague yeah because i mean i can distinctly remember that my love of drawing came from comics you know that was that was something that that made me want to draw um you do remember that okay and the only way i remember it is because i was talking about um my dad used to bring me a copy of 2000 ad every saturday morning i'd kind of get up and there'd be a copy of 2000 ad there and i'd sort of sit that's good I'd lie on the, the side of rug and I'd read through it and then I'd go and have my breakfast and I'd come back and I'd go through it again. I didn't understand most of it. I was just looking at it, you know, and absorbing it. And then I'd kind of get dressed and I'd then immediately start copying drawings from it. And, um, you know, that's how I got into loving art, really. And it was it was because I wanted to tell stories. And, uh, yeah, it's a str- and then I found I actually loved art generally. And I don't know whether... I would have loved that anyway as I got older or whether it was, you know, that was the, the sort of genesis of it. I really don't know. But, yeah, that's where my drawing practice came from. I think that's why I put some time aside and draw because I used to do that as a kid. You know, in my head, I had a, a window of time where I could do some drawing without getting harassed to go outside and play with kids I didn't like. <laughs> you know, <what> <laughs> so I'd rather draw. I mean, I'd rather you went out and played with the neighbours <laughs> yeah so obviously yeah. you know you've been publishing your own comics now and the, the wonderfully titled fred egg comics i'm gonna have to ask you where the name came from well yeah sure um i now let me think i was uh yeah i was i think i was seven and i used to i had a friend in primary school and we got this little plan where I would make a comic for him every Friday and he'd make one for me Wow! the next Friday. Really? And so this kept up for, I don't know, maybe six weeks or something before we got bored with it. But 
during doing that, I remember I had I, I went home on a Friday lunchtime and I ate everything and then I had like five minutes left and I thought, right, oh, oh my comic. So I went and made up a quick story about Fred Egg. And this was about somebody making an egg, uh, frying it, and then it, it, it came to life. So, th- <laughs> so this egg came to life and was a character in this comic. So this was like the origin of Fred Egg. Um, and I got that idea at a brainwave because of the Dundee accent, the Dundee dialect, where you would yeah. say fried would be Fred. Uh, and so it occurred to me that, oh, if you say Fred Egg, that's like a name. Okay, Fred Egg. So I was off and and running doing that. And then if you cut forward maybe a decade or two, and I'm thinking to myself, I want to start doing small press self-publishing. Mm. And I thought, well, I don't want it to just come out. I think I should invent a sort of umbrella title for the the company, <laughs> as I thought to myself. Uh, even though there was no company, of course, it was me. So I, th- I thought I didn't. I thought it was important for some reason to have this coming out of some uh, entity. So Fred yeah. Egg Comics, you know, I had a few in mind, and they were all terrible. And then it was one of those obvious things where I thought, oh wait a minute, Fred Egg Comics. I can't think of anything better than that. That's perfect, you know. Uh, and so I've just kept that ever since. Yeah. yeah. Even though Fred doesn't really appear anymore. Um, although he did do a bit of a guest spot a few years ago when I had a little idea for him about, you know, the old hostess Twinkies ads in the comics. Yeah. I thought I had an idea of Fred being in one of them. <laughs> uh, somebody was wanting to eat him, but he threw the, the Twinkies at them instead to eat and that saved the day. That's the story of Fred Egg Comics. Yeah. Fantastic. And when did you start publishing your small press stuff then? Uh, well, I would say uh, it's all a bit it's all a bit muddy because there was false starts and there was this and there was that. I I always think that the first proper comic I self published was Berserkatron One, and that was about twenty years ago now. Yeah, I'd had, I'd done a few things before that, um, but they never seemed quite fully formed to me. Mm. But when I look back on it, they were like uh, little false starts, as I say. So, yeah, I'd say about 20 years. In fact, on my website, uh, uh, I put Fred Egg Comics and I wrote Established 1980 by David Robertson. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I was going to ask you about that, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what I meant by that was uh, I made up Fred Egg when I was seven. Yeah. Brilliant. That's what I and I remember thinking, I'm going to write Established 1980. And I was, you know, I was laughing at the fact that I was going to write that on my website. Fantastic. And of course, when you're laughing at something that you've come up with, you've kind of got to do it, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, it's it gets a... out with your control at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's a rule in life, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, 20 years, you must have seen a lot of changes in like the way that self-publishing is, has, has come along. I mean, because it's, it's probably easier now more than it ever has been to publish your own comic and materials doesn't mean you're going to like sell them and make any money but you can certainly get them published a lot easier you know with the the sort of digital printing movement and stuff Mm -hmm. so i presume when you started i mean was it still very much you know the the photocopy and and stapler jobs or, or am i a little bit you know behind the time on that one no you're absolutely dead on uh with what i did um, certainly with Berserkatron 1, that was uh, 
that that was a photocopier at work after hours kind of routine. Um, yeah. Hoping the boss didn't come in to have a quick look around, you know. And and you and your photocopier was, you know, <laughs> six hundred and eighty-five <laughs> of one thousand or whatever, you know. <laughs> vootum, 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 and and then he comes, you know. Um, so that that was very much um, the way it was for me. Uh, and then it did have the it had the technological advance at the time of I printed off a colour cover for it, you know, at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the first one of those. And that, I did the first two Berserkatrons like that. that. So that was, they were about two or three years apart. Right. Uh, and then it got to, it really got to the point where the, my next thing was dump number one. And I thought, I'm going to maybe need to stop this because, you know, I could get sacked. <laughs> <laughs> But it was really that well, you, feeling that, that you, you know, this is that money on comics. I mean, you'd be a millionaire. <laughs> oh, boy. If only, eh? If only. So, yeah, that's when I moved. Uh, that's when I looked into the online printers and what have you. Yeah. It took me uh, a long time to get going, I think, with comics. Longer than I should have, in one way. Um, I always liked doing it. Yeah. Ever since I was a kid. But I think it just didn't fit into what anybody thought you should be doing you know yeah i i completely understand where you're coming from i mean yeah you know what i mean yeah i i dropped out of art completely for about probably about 20 years i didn't pick up a pencil didn't didn't paint didn't draw didn't do anything um, and then i eventually moved away from comics as well during that time and you know after it was probably around about the time after things like uh, preacher had finished and stuff and i I started drifting away because life gets in the way, doesn't it? And then it was only probably about three or four years ago that that I was at a point where I needed to do something like for myself. And and my missus, who's teaching a community art class, she sort of said, look, why don't you you start drawing and painting again? And do you know what? There's not a day goes by, I don't think. Why the fuck did I stop for all those years? You know, I love art and I love creating comics and, I don't know. I just guess I, I was still stuck in that mindset that I couldn't create a comic. You know, it was beyond me to do that. And it was only when I started looking at the small press and looking at the way things had moved on and what people were producing, I was gobsmacked. You know, I was like, okay, now this is incredible. You know, there are people creating such a range of things from still doing the zine type photocopied, you know, stapled, which I love, to some titles, which to be honest with you, comparable with what you get like from the big names so yeah I, I kind of I, I get exactly what you mean about not feeling that it was a viable thing to do you know yeah I think the way I got my head that I'm doing it was um accepting that it wasn't a viable thing to do and then yeah. just do it and just committing <laughs> yeah. my life to it yeah you know there was there was no money there was no prestige yeah. there was no recognition there was there was nothing the only thing that you had going for it was that that I believed in it and thought it was worthwhile personally. Yeah. That was it, full stop. And uh, that's really still the way I look at it. No, you're right. I was just thinking about the difference, maybe the old-fashioned way of looking at like art versus commerce or whatever, isn't it? Mm. You know, it's, is it art for art's sake or whatever? I think I tend to be more just looking at comics purely as an art. Porn. yeah um that's that's the way i 
approach in it. You know, I'm not. You you, you hear a lot of, well, you hear some, um, you know, people publishing their own stuff, um, or people talking about people doing that, and it's very much their context is that you're doing that so that you get noticed, uh, and then. Um, DC Comics will hire you, uh, and, then, <laughs> and then you'll get to draw Batman all the time, you know. And that—that's like what it's all about. And you know, that's not what I'm all about at all. You know, I—I yeah. I think I think small press, self-publishing, indie comics, what have you, are a thing in themselves. Yes. And I think they do works that are really—I mean, they do a lot of shit as well. Don't get me wrong, but they—you've they, got a good chance of doing unique interesting things that are good and to be honest you have a lot less chance of doing that with dc comics you know drawn yeah. batman yeah i mean they're they're not interesting <laughs> i don't want no, to start don't. slagging dc because that's not what it's about it's about um how what you want to do in comics yourself you know yeah yeah it's up no, to you. i completely agree and i've said i've, I've talked about this before as well about how you know, I think that the great thing with small press and independent publishing is that you can tell whatever story you want. The shackles are off, really. You know, you, yeah. you couldn't go to Marvel and DC and go, you know, well, I want to do this. They'd be like, no, you're not doing that, mate. Not not with our titles. And, you know, no matter what you want to create, if you've got some a story in you that you want to get out and whether anybody reads it or not, that's the driver, isn't it? It's about. I mean, I don't know how you feel, but I, I feel that, you know, I have these things that I need to express. And if people want to read it, you know, brilliant. But if they don't, it, I need, I still need to get it out and, you know, on paper and, and almost release it. Yeah, I do. I do have a lot of sympathy with that idea. And I think that the idea of having your more superhero comics, etc., at the top of the tree, as if they're the pinnacle, that is purely just coming from the sort of economic society we live in. Yeah. You know, where they've got a product they make and they sell however many thousands of them and make money. Yeah. And then they keep doing that ad nauseum, you know. And you, I mean, you... I, I, love, I love Batman. Yeah. But I have no real desire to see what he's up to this month, you know. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I've talked about this as well. I can't, I can't read Batman anymore. I just haven't read it for years because, A, I don't know what the fuck's going on half the time. It's like, why is he riding a horse now? What's going on? <laughs> why is he married to Catwoman? Do you know what I mean? And it, and it's just all this stuff. And and for me, I mean, and I rant about this nearly every episode, it's when they start fucking around with a good old canon. Oh, that does me head in. I mean, I, I'm from that. Sort of Neil Adams, Jim Aparo, Norm Bravefogel kind of run of pinnacle mm-hmm. bat stories, you know, Nightfall and Death in the Family and real earth shattering stuff that had me mesmerized. Yeah. And then fucking Bane's in like every issue, isn't he? And the, you know, the, the Joker, and it's just boring and repetitive, but also they're not happy to let like the, the sort of story naturally flow with its own canon. Let's reinvent, let's reinvent. And you're right, that's just down to how do we get sales going again? You know, it's it's a bit like the, the big crossovers, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's no shame in it. They're a no. business. They're making no. cans of beans, you know? Yeah. So they have, they have to 
sort of nominally make some difference be in the cans of beans to like pretend it's there's some growth or change going on yeah well that, i mean that's all fantastic it's just not what i'm interested in you know yeah yeah and i, I think the problem with that though is that maybe i don't know could be wrong but i think one of the problems with comics as a as a medium these days particularly i mean not small press but on those those bigger levels is that they don't build that kind of um rapport with readers anymore you know because i don't think readers can actually settle into a comic title like we used to do as kids and read it and read it for years and years and years and get that that continuation you know because it gets rebooted every fucking six months or every time a new creator comes on you know it all changes and i, and I think that's why maybe younger sort of comics readers today are much more willing to flip you know from title to title and drop stuff and and things like that i don't know could be wrong but oh either there's there's so many yeah. things wrong with yeah that's true it's comics a nowadays, you know you quickly <laughs> get onto the, the distribution isn't there the way it used to be and yeah all this crap you know that's true anyway let's focus on some small press work then so Oh, yeah. As I mentioned before, um, you, you've got some some great titles. I mean, I was I was having a flip through um, Comic House and, and catching up with a couple of your previous titles, and I noticed that there seems to be something of a kind of almost the the, the ones I've read are almost spurred by autobiographical instances um, that have happened. So Bell Time, you, you know, you're talking about watching. Was it Peggy Sue got married? Was the the poster you saw? Oh, yeah. that, that's you know that that got going and and obviously you know there's, there's the Blade Runner uh, strip that you did yeah. and and most recently as well you know the Taybridge disaster where you talk about the fact that you've always been fascinated by it is that is that kind of approach something that that's always been your your inspiration? Um, that makes sense to say that you know I mean if I'm fascinated by something that seems like a good choice of thing to do a comic about. Yeah. If I can get an angle on it that I'm happy that to think, yeah, that would be good as a comic. Um, yeah, that makes sense. It's uh, you should follow your interests, I think, because um, because as you were saying, you can just and it's well, something I agree with. You can you can just do anything, right? So yeah, I'll uh, start with a blank canvas and and think, right, what do I want to do a comic about? I'll often get ideas, and I, I'm one of these people that carries a wee diary notebook about and I'll be right. standing doing something else and think oh and then I'll, I'll scribble down a sentence uh you know and then four years later I'm drawing a comic about it you know <laughs> because it's so easy to have ideas we all have ideas and I think one of the things you have to do is recognize that that was an idea worth noting down you know yeah because you can always look back on it in a while and go no that's that's rubbish but i find if you get an idea it's usually worth doing something worth with it you know mm. yeah that's some ideas kind of stick don't they you know you can yeah you keep coming back to them one way or another don't you yeah and i i can't really think of any other way to do it really um other than having ideas and making comics up with them. That seems really that seems really straightforward, but I think maybe other people are aim for something not based on an idea that seems unlikely. Maybe that's the difference. Mm. 
like some so I'll think uh, I'll look at I don't know anything and get an idea about it and go that's unusual thought you know that's interesting take on that scribble that down whereas a lot of other people are making a, a vampires in space comic and that's their idea they start with mm. and then it's time to go and write and draw about vampires and sp- get all the ideas you can think of about vampires in space mm. um, you know for example um, try, and then try and do a 300 pages of comics about vampires in space <laughs> you know and six issue series and hopefully get Image to publish it for you and then Netflix make a TV show for you and then you're oh, sent, right? Yeah. And that's a good idea if you can manage to do that and get a bunch of money and be well regarded and, and terrific. But once again, here I am sitting doing comics about a snail or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but it doesn't make it any less engaging, that's the thing, because it, it, that's what's unique about the stuff that I've read of yours is that it is very kind of I feel it's very personal to you and as 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 a reader you know you feel like you get a bit of an insight into into you as a creator yeah I, I find that so. quite interesting quite unusual I think it's a key to that for me is not being frightened of your own mind yeah I I you, you can get an idea and then there's always a lot of things like, oh, that's that's silly. You know, that, that's stupid. That's not, who'd want to read a comic about that? You know, who cares? There's there's a million things like that, you know, that will stop you going, well, no, don't do that. Do vampires in space, you know, people <laughs> get that. You know, you get a vampire, you shoot it with a laser in space. That's great. That's exciting. That's sci-fi, horror, brilliant. What What is this even? Don't do that. But I reckon there's, Everybody else is doing great vampire in space comics, you know. I don't think mm. I can compete with them, and I don't want to anyway. I think I can do a comic that I would make, and I don't think anybody else could do it. I sort of believe mm. that. And I believe that of every single person making comics. If they sat down and really did something that was from them, yeah, truly, I think anybody could do it. Really, it's just, are you going to do it? Yeah. I'm sort yeah. of reminded that there was a, this is a different thing, but Neil Adams was talking about Jack Kirby and they would all sit around back in the old days saying, oh, Jack's, you know, Jack's comics, you know, they're all, you know, if you're an artist, you can get really caught up in important things, you know, like correct anatomy mm. and uh, detail and, and what have you. And then, you know, in a way, Jack Kirby knows all that stuff, has done it, and then just goes, no, well, fuck all of that, because look at this, here's the Galactus trilogy with yeah. Fantastic Four, it's the best thing you've ever fucking read in your life, you know. <laughs> now, all the all the other artists could be sitting around going, oh, but look, he's not done that shin quite properly, you know, or yeah. the perspective. And I remember Neil Adams saying, yeah, but, you know, could you do it? Could you do what Jack's done? Exactly. And they're like, and they're like oh, Oh no, but and he's like, ah, but could you do it? And they're like, ah. Oh. So I don't know. It's a it's a way of, I guess it's deciding to go some other way, right? And yeah. just believe in it. Yeah. I'm not comparing myself to Jack Kirby. Oh please, I hope I'm not coming across like that. <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. But it's true, it's true. And you you do get that where you know people will look at, um, say, a different style of art. You know, that's maybe not 
what you'd expect from the mainstream, what, which is what people are used to in it. You know, this is why people get the knickers in a twist about films that don't end the way they want them to end or, you know, something like that. And you're like, that's because that was your idea of how it should be. That wasn't the creator's vision of how it was going to be. So mm-hmm. wind your fucking neck in, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but, me, I, I mean, the, the, the whole, I'm still not going to have the whole recent Star Wars debacle. Yeah, let's go on to that. I'm a complete Star Wars nerd. If you want to get started on oh, this, don't start on Star Wars. We'll be here all bloody. We'll we'll save that for another episode. And I know right. one of my favorite episodes of Never Iron Anything was when you talked about um, was it Star Wars issue eighty or something? Yeah, you talked about. yeah. God, I Great love that. Comic that was. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm making a note, mate. We'll do that one again. Yeah. But, but you're right. You know, people. If if it doesn't fit their view, um, they're quick to to point at the faults of it. But yeah. Like Neil Adams said, you know, well, could you do that? You know, could you write that story? Could you illustrate it that way? Could you create that spectacle of of wonderment on a yeah. page? No. So it's like, would you draw like that to get the story across so brilliantly, but leaving aside showing everybody how pristine and great your artwork is? Yeah. You know, I think that's something I'm always trying to forget about when I'm drawing trying to whenever I feel myself starting to show people oh look at this look how I'm drawing here eh? this is good eh? <laughs> whenever I start getting that feeling of going no fuck it don't do that don't do that I guess yeah. I'm I'm more of a just a story guy you know yeah in my head that's that's how I make sense of that fantastic Dra- drawing pictures is 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 a different thing than drawing pictures to make a comic i think you know you yeah. can do one big drawing and one big nice painting but i think your intentions are different doing that yes yeah it's like people who are very good at splash pages and poster art don't mm-hmm. necessarily make great comics artists sometimes well yeah yeah look at sometimes Frazetta. they do Frazetta and all his big paintings and everything and, and he did comics for a while and then he kind of got clever didn't he he went wait a minute fuck this, I'm having to do hundreds of drawings here. <laughs> you know, I could just do one, paint it nice and get paid thousands. Exactly, yeah. Millions, and go and work in the movies. Oh, I remember yeah. he got asked in, in, the, in an interview somewhere, it was like, are you going to ever draw more comics? And he was like, what? what? <laughs> he was like, absolutely appalled. You're joking. He said, no, you know, I'm making all this money over here. I'm not going back to do all that, to have six pages in some anthology that, <laughs> you know, 10,000 people read. No, yeah. I'll do another movie poster for whatever thing's coming out. Thanks. <laughs> Brilliant. I think so, you've got so, to do comics because you love them and you want to. Yes. There's a lot of reasons to not do that. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, let's be fair, though. It's not hard work and you make loads of money. So <laughs> it, it's, it's not hard work and you make lots of money. There you go. That's, that's the thing, isn't it? Because it's really, really easy to make a comic isn't it? it doesn't spend fucking weeks or months of your life locked away <laughs> slaving over it um for you and three people to read it's it's uh yeah i, I don't know i mean i'm actually speaking to you and you're on your yacht so i don't know why you're being all coy about it well yeah <laughs> keeping that on the down low you know <laughs> yeah but, but speaking of artwork i've got to say that um, obviously, uh, uh, you had a recently very successful Kickstarter campaign for Taybridge Disaster. Was that your first Kickstarter? Yeah, it was, yeah. I 
I was thinking about Kickstarter for a while, mm. but I think it depends on the project with Kickstarter. And like with everything, you know, I I try and think of everything before I get started, you know, or, or think of as much as I can before I mm. just jump in, you know. So I was trying to get my head around what it all meant, Kickstarter, you know. And, and the thing I had to get my head around was what happens when you do it? I mean, and nobody pledges at all. What does that mean? You know, what's that going to mean to me when I do that? <laughs> so that's what I was thinking about. Yeah. Uh, and I got my head around that. Well, okay, if that happens, that's fine. I can live with that. And, and also I had to finish the actual comic. I didn't want to do it until it was all completely done. Yeah. I just had an idea that I wanted, if anybody pledged, I just wanted to finish the campaign and then send them the comic. Yeah. Right away. So I actually held off for a good while until it was all done, and uh, and then it was uh, yeah to my to my great pleasure it was uh, people were pledging on it people seemed interested you know to yeah. get it so that was great. Did you fall into the trap of checking it every five seconds? <laughs> what what I did was um, I looked every day because it ran for a month. So I thought I'll look at least once a day, you know, maybe I looked more than once a day sometimes. So not every few seconds, no. I'm not really a mobile phone sort of guy anyway, mm. Damien. So I think that would maybe facilitate that. Yeah. I'm more of a I'm more of a you know, I'll get the tablet out or the laptop and open it up and log in on the internet and see what's happening and then close mm. it again and leave it. Um I believe people walk around getting notifications all the time, their entire life now, which is not, I thought, no, that way lies madness. Yeah, yeah. I've never been a mobile phone guy. Anyway, I don't like phones. <laughs> you know, I didn't like phones back in the day. So I certainly don't want one in my bloody pocket when I'm walking about on the street. I don't like my house phone. <laughs> the only reason I like our house phone is because it's in R2, it's one of those retro R2-D2 phones from oh, my... Cool. Does the it 80s, isn't it? It does, yeah. He's, he's got yeah. like a yeah. He, he does the kind of whistle and beep, and his head spins around when it when it rings. But nice. um... <laughs> you remember, but yeah, you remember those? Uh, you remember those adverts for the for the toys and the old oh. comic? And it used to be remote control R two D two. Oh. And I used to think, you know, if you had the remote control R two D two, you could sit and and have the the control, and and if you made them come in the room. And you were hiding the control. It's just like it really was R two D two, wasn't it? Be terrible. <laughs> it will have been great. I, I think I'd have just that would have been it. Like life could have ended right there. That would be that. That's yep. just you're not going to beat that, are you? <laughs> you're just there's, not. There's endless Star Wars merchandise, <gasps> isn't there? It's, it's oh, just ending. Yeah, yeah. And again, I I was quite lucky in so much as I, I collected quite a lot. And then when I was in art because I had to eat. I had to mm. sell it all really cheap. Oh, no. And the only thing I kept was um, my Han Solo and Chewbacca in the Millennium Falcon. And it was the Empire Strikes Back one. It was still in its box and, you know, really, really looked after it. And it kept it at my dad's house. I moved around quite a lot. Um, me and my wife moved from place to place with the work and stuff. And then when I kind of came back up to, to Wigan, I said, right, you know, I'll pick my stuff up. And... Uh, <laughs> I lifted the box and I thought, something weird here. There's a lot of rattling going on. And a fucking mouse had eaten it all. Oh, no. Yeah. Like, eaten the entire top 
but not just the bit that used to lift away, eating the entire top bit. And the only reason that the, the Han Solo and Chewbacca and their guns survived was because I had them, you know, there was like a little compartment you can hide, like a smuggler's compartment. Oh, yeah. I taped them up in that to keep them safe. Oh, and it hadn't got through to that. And, oh, broke me out. I was like, fucking hell. It's like the only thing I had of any value left from that whole collection. And a bastard mouse ate it. <laughs> oh, that's grim. <laughs> but <laughs> I, d- I don't even look now at, you know, like when you see people with um, Star Wars toys and, you know, the prices they go for. And I can't even look at it because I'm like, Shh, I had that in a box. I had that in a box. I had that in a box. Because oh, no. didn't really have a lot as a kid. So when we got something, you fucking treasured it. You know what I mean? You, you yeah. Everything went back in its box with the instructions. And and it's like, oh, Jesus. I don't know. Yeah. So let's get back to the Taybridge disaster then, because I've got to say to you, I because I obviously backed it and I got it through and I I got a brilliant little uh, sort of package with it of some postcards and that little mini kind of making of booklet that you put in as well of like the sketches through to the the, the pages. Yeah. Just I love that. But the one thing that struck me and I, and I said this to H was like your artwork and I think I may have said this at the time but your artwork looked like it, it looked like it was aquatint like you'd etched it in aquatint and mm-hmm. printed it. It's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it's really, really lovely. There's two particular pages where, um, not wishing to spoil it, but where, you know, the the incident itself is happening and the, the sort of train is coming over the bridge and they're, they're kind of um, portraying a landscape book. But, oh, mate, they're absolutely spectacular. It just seemed like a completely different style to what I've seen from you before. Yeah, it was... Uh... It was its own style for that story. That was another thing I was trying to mm-hmm. think of um, for that story. I tried to get a tone that matched what it was about, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it, I think it worked okay. Thanks for saying that those kind things about it. No, it's true. It was I was quite taken aback because I did for a minute think you'd etched in <laughs> aquatinted this. I was thinking. How the fuck's he doing this? And then as I started to look a bit more, I thought, I'm not, I'm not, I think it's just ink and was it just ink and wash that you used? Well, did you do yeah. anything else? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Brilliantly and, done. And though. it was different levels of, uh, you know, how much water you'd put on, how, you know, and how much ink and maybe go back and put more on, that kind of thing, just to try and get different textures and stuff. It was yeah. interesting getting into the things like doing the mud and what have you. Mm. Um, it was interesting toying about with different things to get that kind of texture a bit muddy, you know. And water, of course, there's loads of water in the comic. So, yeah. did, did you did you always um, plan to do it that way, or did did that kind of when you started creating it, it, it found its own kind of style? Um, yeah, I mean, there was experimentation in it. I uh, I didn't know quite how it was going to look. I was just messing around, thinking, okay, I'll try this, I'll try that. You know, I would I would always do like all the the pen or brush work first, you know, the line work. Yeah. And then go into it, putting in different tones or or the pure blacks, and uh, yeah, just playing around with it until I liked the way it came out. You know, no, no rules to it really. Yeah, but it it really really does work, and I don't know how you could have told that story with a different style, if you get what I mean. I don't think it would have quite 
gel yeah. together because it is a very kind of uh, dark story to a degree i mean it's humorous as well the way you've you've done it i mean the, you know there's a few bits in it that, that do make you smile I mean, particularly like your your opening bit about you know the kind of pun that <laughs> you use yeah and yeah. I don't want to give too much away because I want people to read it, obviously. But, um, you know, and I don't think if it had been done in a, in a more sort of traditional comic style, it would have would have worked as well. I don't think it would have carried the, the kind of sense of, of foreboding that the, the story really has. Great choice, that, mate. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, oh, I did also use the I was deliberately using the sort of newspaper strip style. Because I wanted it to almost be, I think if it had been, say, a 40-page regular comic that was like a story, like an issue of a comic, that yeah. wasn't really what I was wanting either. I was wanting more episodic, uh, you know, this one's about that, this one's about that, this one's about that. Um, I just wanted to make it as uh, different. I had a I had a lot of different ideas about things that I could do about the Tabridge disaster. Yeah. So when it came to it, I thought, well, I'll just make them a bunch of separate strips, and then put them into the proper order when once they're all done. Yeah. Um. So that's what I did. There was, was a lot of research. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Which is which was fine because, again, it was the interest I had in it that sparked it. Yeah. Um, so I was happy to read about it, and um, but again, it's a funny thing. But with comics, when you w- what you said there about doing it in that style, I don't, I don't know that I would do another comic quite like that. You know, it was right. it was suited to that topic. Yeah. I mean, I might if something else comes up, but again, I don't, I don't know if I would. So we'll mm. see what happens. I might. I do have a, I have I do have another idea or two in my head about kind of local history things I would might like to do, but that would be somewhat far off. I mm. have to do a lot more reading about that. Yeah. We'll see if I live that long. <laughs> you know, it comes to that with comics all the time, doesn't it? It's I know. Great. You go, yeah, oh, I'll do this, I'll do that. Yeah, okay. Each one takes eight years, mate. You know, yeah. which one are you going to do first? And uh, you know, maybe it doesn't take eight years quite, but I've always got a few different books on the go at any time, and yeah. they all, you know, I, I, I just work away on them as and when. So it can be, you know, four years or whatever. It, it's funny, though, because, uh, you know, I was talking to um, Ian Richardson last week, and we were talking about one of his, his bit of advice was if you want to kind of be a, a comics artist or whatever, or any kind of artist, you've got to you've got to practice. You know that's the thing because you get practice, you get better, and you know that's it's it's a discipline. And um and he said the more you know the more you do, you'll find that over the years you will get better. And I, I was explaining saying yeah, you know I, I suffer from probably what most creators suffer from, which is you know I I just think all my stuff shit. And the minute I finish it, I'm like oh I don't like it now. So I do something else and try and make it better, but I'm knocking on a bit now, and I'm wondering if I'm ever going to get to the point where I'll be happy with something. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know if you ever do. I don't know if I ever expect to to reach that. I don't no. know what that would mean. You know, that that yeah. would just mean you were done. Time to stop. Surely. Yeah. yeah. Um, Absolutely. It's a, it's it's another thing that you have to keep in control in order to get any work done i find 
Mm. You know, we've, we've all got this critic in our head that's telling us everything that's wrong with everything we're doing as we're doing it before we've even started doing it. And, you know, you've just kind of got to go sometimes, look, shut up! <laughs> you know, will you shut up? I know all that, but I've got to get this work done, you know? Yeah. That's a that's an important step, I think. Let yeah. everybody else critique it. That They can do that. You've got to do the work. You've got to get the comics made. They can all sit and read them and go, oh, well, I don't know about that. Well, good for them. You've got to get the comic done. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, isn't it? You know, I mean, I know Tony says this, where he'll say, you know, create for yourself and don't worry what other people think of it. Yeah. That's and not it, your job to decide if it's good or not. It's your job to make it. Exactly. Make it as good as you can. Get it done. There it is. Give it yeah. to other people. Give it to all the experts. They can tell you if it's any good or not. <laughs> yeah. They Which can you can then ignore and do the next yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, because you're on to the next thing already. You know. <laughs> so do you think you'll do another um, Kickstarter then? Do you think... Was it something... I mean, I'm, I presume you were... I mean, a bit like myself when I had a Kickstarter. And, and again, I kind of thought this thing about, well, you know, if I can just cover my basic printing costs, I can actually get the book out to people. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And and we did that and a bit more, you know, and you're like, bloody hell, you know, people are actually buying it. Yeah. Um, it's a great feeling, isn't it, though, when people, especially people you don't know, pledge. Yeah. And you're like, shit, you know, these are these are people in America. And it's like, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It sounds ridiculous. But I remember sitting there going, oh, this guy's from like San Antonio and this guy's from California. You know? And it's like, yeah. thinking, they're going to be looking at my stuff. And uh, it's a great feeling. So do you think you do you think you'll do another Kickstarter for any future projects, or was it just too much of a pain in the arse? <laughs> no, it wasn't really. I I think I had um I didn't find it uh to a pain in the arse. I didn't I didn't find it all that stressful. Maybe because you know maybe if you were sitting waiting to find out if it was going to meet the target or not for three and a half weeks, that would be stressful. But I was really lucky because it got to my target pretty quick. So after that, it was all just, let's see what happens now. You know, I think in my memory, it took about three days. And, and I'd reached um, the target I'd set for it. I yeah, thought, it was incredible. What? <laughs> yeah, I know. And then after that, yeah, I was, um, more people were bidding. Uh, I keep saying bidding like it's eBay, pledging. <laughs> um, and then I thought, well, then you get into all these, um, what do they call them, stretch rewards and all this. Oh, yeah. Stretch. Oh, and I thought, what is that? What, why? Mm-hmm. I couldn't really get my head around that. I hadn't really thought about that. So I didn't do that at all. I just thought, well, I'll make some extras to go in it. You know, I've got yeah. I've got more money than I'd anticipated here. So I'll use this to put in some things. And... Um, as you said, the postcards, and then I had the idea for that little kind of process zine yeah. thing. Um, I thought I'll just put them in as surprises rather than. Do you know what? It felt a bit presumptuous to say thank you for reaching my target. Okay, now I'm going to double my target, and let's all do double my target. Now. I know. Okay, let's do triple my target. Yeah. Now. I couldn't really get my head around that. Why I was even doing that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, nothing wrong with doing that. I just couldn't figure out why I would do that about printing costs and things like that and and 
and uh, maybe getting some new readers, etc. And I felt yeah. like I'd done that, so I didn't know why I would be pushing for more money. Yeah, on the two Kickstarters that, that we've run, um, I never even put stretch goals on there because I didn't expect to, like, fund it. Do you know what I mean? It was like, yeah. I funded that's enough. And a bit like yourself, then what I started doing as it was going on was I started looking at things I could just throw in, you know, yeah. and say, well, everyone will get this now and everyone will get that now. And, you know, stuck a couple of prints in and, and stuff like that and badges or whatever I could I could think of that we could do. Yeah, I didn't, again, like you, I didn't actually anticipate being at a position where I would need things like stretch goals and and I think it's pressure as well, and it? you know, it's like people who have like fifty bloody different tiers of things that you can buy. And yeah. I mean, I, I'll be honest, there's times when I've bought nothing because I couldn't. I've just looked and it's too much. It's like I just want the book. Have you not got yeah. a tier that just lets me buy the book? Yeah. It's like you know, well, you can have a t-shirt and a ice <laughs> engraving of your first pet or something like that. I don't don't want that. I just want the book. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't pay forty quid for a load of shit I don't want. <laughs> the truck comes reverses into your drive. Yeah. <laughs> beep beep <laughs> to, to dump this huge skip full of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like you just get like loads of stuff that you like. I really didn't ask for, but I've paid for it, so I've got to have it. Do you know what I mean? It's bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. what do, I suppose then, you know. We've covered bits of this, but what advice would you give to people who, because people who listen to these self-publishing episodes, they they quite um, they get in touch. People who actually listen, which surprises me as well, mm. but they, they get in touch saying they they love listening to the advice and the guidance that people have given them. And you've been right. self-publishing for like over twenty years, so you must have some nuggets of advice that you give to anybody who's thinking of creating their own kind of comics. And yeah, yeah, we have touched on some of this. I guess it would, it does depend why you're wanting to self-publish things. Yeah. Um, so I I the reason I self-publish and do comics is because I I want to have a a body of work that I've done. Mm. Uh, and with that being my goal, uh, I just have to make a load of work <laughs> and keep going, and that's what I'll achieve. Um, so I'm not. You know, if it's uh, that's the advice that I, that's the perspective I would be coming from. You know, if you if you're doing your own kind of story, believe in it and make it. And people will have advice. Uh, people will have points of view on it, and they will tell you these. You know, maybe, and you can take what you want from that. You can yeah. you can go yeah, uh, right enough. I never thought of that. Or you can go well, I actually don't agree with that, so I'll ignore that. You know. Because not no criticism really I find is is wrong. You know, if anybody comes yeah. to my comics and says, "Well, what was the point of that story?" You know, they just um, it took me a long time myself to understand my storytelling style regarding the shorter stories. Mm. So so I would have some event happen and then it would kind of get to the end. And you always feel like, well, there's got to be some conclusion, right? There's got to be, I mean, someone's got to blow up, right? And then that's the end of the story, <laughs> right? That's how you finish a story. The thing explodes, you know. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't put in the explosion, well, what was the point of the story? And so I used to, 
I remember when I was first doing these little comics, I, I, I had a little, I liked to draw in little things like, you know, a little exclamation mark. Yeah. A little, at, at the end, I would draw that on to the final panel. So that was like the full stop. And then I used to like putting in Finn as well, you know. You used to see that in some comics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right at the end on the final panel, Finn. Yeah. And then I thought, do you know what? I think I'll maybe put nothing. And that's just the end of it. And we'll see how that goes. Uh, I had to get, but I had to get brave and decide to do that. Yeah. Um, so th- again, it's coming to terms with your own style and going with it. You know, you've got all these ideas about the sort of comics you like, mm. the sort of comics that you would like to make, and then you start making them, and they start being a bit not quite like that. So you you can fight against it. Yeah. Uh, you can go, but no, I need the thing to blow up, you know. So you so you draw that in, and there's the big explosion, and then maybe people go, "That's that's a great explosion you did there," and you got a thanks, you know. But someone's not quite right, you know. Mm. Um, again, it depends. It all depends. I, I don't know. You you'll have a lot of different readers, uh, sorry, listeners, and they'll have different ideas about what they want to do. And the thing I always am thinking of and aware of is people who want to work for 2000 AD that's going to be a lot of people in comics yeah and I always think uh I don't know anything about doing that because I've never done it but it always seems to me like isn't that a case of drawing up a bunch of pages and sending them into Tharg care of 2000 AD hi I want to draw I'll write for you (laughs) what do you think of this and and just keep doing that and then he'll either get back to you or he won't right and and I know that they have these competitions, don't they? Like 2000 AD competition. Yeah. Draw the ABC Warriors, things like that. Yeah. So do that. That would be my advice. Do that. I mean, I'm probably, I'm not. I just feel I always should acknowledge that side of things. Yeah. People yeah. want to do comics because they want to draw Superman or, or Spider-Man, things like that. Well, send them into Marvel and DC, mm. whatever, you know. But... All I know about is making stories and comics that I want to make. So I would say be brave and do the thing you want to do, regardless of anybody ever buying it or reading it, and try and make it as good as you can. I like to think of a comic being something that anybody would pick up and go, what's this? You know, something would get them and go, what? And then they would, is this for real? Sort of thing, you know, they'd start Mm. going through it. It's kind of a, it's just kind of a, a way of going at it. It's interesting because, like saying with your comics, there tends to be a kind of um, very personal narrative in them that I get from it anyway. And you know, when you're saying they kind of they just end, but you don't get big bangs in life. You know, no. you don't get big big explosions to signify the end of something. Right? I mean, you're unlucky if you do, but you know and and that's kind of like that's what i like about about work like yours and and other creators similar kind of ilk is that you know it feels very natural that things just carry on you know there's a story and then it just carries on and that's the end you know there's no massive reveal at the end of things and you know there's no mask being ripped off and and things like that and it's the same with some films isn't it i mean you see some fantastic films that are just about you know, the human condition, they're just about shit that happens every day. And, you know, you see people going, oh, fucking nothing happened. You know, 
they just sat around talking and you're like, but that's that's life though, isn't it? That's what life's like a lot of the time. Thing, things don't happen. And yeah. that in itself is a very brave kind of, like you say, a brave art form is the art of not trying to manufacture a big event to, to tell a story. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe I probably am manufacturing something though. I mean, I must be because it's a four page comic. It isn't just a, a mm. bit of life. So I'm maybe trying to do it in a way that isn't. Whenever I feel someone being like, okay, this is what would happen now if this was a comic. You know, as soon as you think, if this was a comic, such and such would happen. Yeah. You think, well, well, don't do that then. There's loads of other comics that have done that. It's quite interesting. I, I, I did a story quite recently and I was working with an editor and I, I had an incident happen and it was a pretty extreme incident if it had oh. happened in real life. If it yeah. had happened in real life, it would have been ridiculous. But the feedback from the editor was, well, that's not really, uh, that's not really much of a challenge for that character, is it? Because they're, they're like a superhero action comic type character, you know. Um, this is what I took, that why they'd be saying up the ante a bit. And I'm like, are you joking? They just, you know, if they'd done that in reality, it would have been like one of the stories of the year, what, what I wrote them doing. Mm. So the, the take I was having on it was more not what you would expect in a comic like this, but more trying to put more of a mundane, realistic twist on it. Yeah. And get a little thing, which actually is a big thing, but in the context of a comic, you know, people are jumping off multi-story buildings all the time in comics, right? I mean, that wouldn't <laughs> even be a story. That would yeah. just be Spider-Man starting his day. Yeah. So if I did a Spider-Man comic and there he is, he's jumped off the roof, you know, that wouldn't be a big deal. So I was making it a big deal, the fact that he did that. That was my take on it. You know, mm. he was running up to the side of the roof. He was jumping off. That's insane to do that. Um, so I'm not quite sure why I was talking about that. Approach, <laughs> approach to storytelling, approach to what it, what it means. I think the most normal things are the most can be the most ridiculous sometimes, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a I'm a big fan of Frank Zappa. Yeah, I'm me. And he and he and he, well, do you know the song "The Dangerous Kitchen"? Yes. <laughs> so, I, I often that that song for me was an interesting one because I really like it and think it's good and funny. But whenever I play that to anybody, they're always like, oh, that's crazy. That song is insane. You know, it's crazy. And you think, it's not, you know. That's that that's a song about a messy kitchen. <laughs> that's the most normal thing ever. So if you take a really normal thing and put it in this unusual context, a song, that can be a little trick on its own. Yeah. Uh, the dangerous kitchen. Yeah, well, I'm going to go listen to it now. <laughs> you know, it's the way that the, the vocal line in it is absolutely doubled by the guitar. It's incredible. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting all nerdy now. No, not I, no. Again, we'll, we'll have to do a Zappa special one time. <laughs> yeah. What was it? In the middle of the night when you get home. And the guitar's going... Brilliant. It is amazing. Absolutely brilliant. Well, yeah, you, you're absolutely spot on there, though. It is those kind of very mundane acts that can be quite, and they can be quite unsettling as well. Um, observing somebody doing something quite normal, and there's a scene I've I've just recently rewatched um, all the Twin Peaks stuff, 
and when we got to the return and there's a great scene in a bar where there's basically a guy just brushing up for about five minutes and he's just brushing up brushing up this bar sweeping <laughs> that's it and there's music in the background and he's just sweeping and that's the scene and the phone yeah. rings and it cuts and it but it's really really like unnerving just seeing this guy sweeping he's like because you're thinking any minute now something's gonna happen and you get really tense and it's like any minute now any minute now yeah. and then the phone rings, that's stunned, it. yeah. it's brilliant though absolutely genius and very brave as well you know really kind of to do something like that on kind of network TV where, you know, people go, what the fuck is this? Some guy yeah. was brushing up for five minutes. Do you know what I mean? And, it, and it's just, I don't know. I, that Stuff like that really floats me boat. I just think yeah. it's superb stuff. Yeah. Brilliant. Do you know, I, I was, uh, I was speaking to my wife and, and I was thinking, I was thinking about uh, certain songs, you know, that you love or, yeah. or films or music or anything. And, you know, the thought just came to me that at any point, you know, somebody making something, you can just stop and you can just go, wait a minute, maybe this is a load of shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and that, if that can come to everybody at any point making anything, you know, they might have been sitting going, hey, Jude, you know, and then went, oh, wait a minute, this is shite. <laughs> yeah. You know, and who's to say it isn't? Because yeah. you know, there's no right or wrong. No. So this is a this is a part again of saying, shut up! I've got to get on with this. A- any, you know, just that thing. Oh wait, maybe this is crap. This might be crap or no. And you're in the middle of putting all that effort into it. You know, you've been yeah. working on it. You've been working on it for years. You know. Wait a minute. A grey, a black and white comic about the Tay Bridge disaster. Oh fuck. You know, who gives a shit? I'm so off the track here, it's unreal. But fuck the track, you know? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> I wish somebody had pointed that out when they were doing uh, Octopus's Garden, but, you know, well, there you go. See, that's the thing. <laughs> I've never been a big fan of Hey Jude, so, you know, I just know that's a classic song. Yeah, there's, just do it. There's no... Listen, my advice to people wanting to make comics is get your idea and then get started on it put a bit of time aside to go do i want to do that mm-hmm. yeah okay go and then go and then just yeah. keep going until it's done that's it and everything that isn't getting comics done try to do that as little as possible now that sounds really simple but that oh. is basically everything else in life yeah it is yeah right? <laughs> so what you have to do is try and cut out as much of that as possible anything that isn't doing comics don't do that now you're you're not going to be able to do that, but that's t- what you want to aim for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it sounds so simple sometimes when you're saying it. Um, I know. You know all these cliches. You know, just do it. You know, just but, do it like Nike. But you really, you know, in a way, it boils down to that. You know. It's true though, isn't it? It's true. You know, you can. I mean, I know people that are going to do eighteen-part wonder stories, and they've not got past telling me they're going to do it. Meanwhile, you've got other people who are just churning stuff out constantly, just creating, creating, creating every every chance they get. And you yeah. just think, oh, I'd rather be creating stuff than planning fucking opus I'm never going to get anywhere near completing. Because that would just depress me then. <laughs> the ideas bit is, is very um, uh, alluring, isn't it? 
it's very you get some yeah. idea and that's great and then you're kind of pleased with yourself and you sort of get a buzz off of that you can picture it you can you can see the comic in your head and look at it it's great so that's good and then you sit and start drawing it eh? and it's like oh look there it is really <laughs> and uh, there's so much more of it that you have to yeah. sit and work on it's the drudgery and the and and the work the, the the hard work you have to keep forcing yourself back to do the next bit and uh, I, ha- I have said this somewhere recently but you know it's it's the absolute drudgery of it and the hard work that's part of it you have to get some sort of perverted side of yourself that enjoys that yeah sitting there for hours and hours because it's great and from the way i do it uh damien is i I, I go through all this and then when it's done, I sit and look and go, well, that exists because mm. uh, I made it. And, you know, it didn't have to exist, but now it does. And it's because I made it. So yep. you sort of forced it into existence. And that's that's quite a nice feeling. There's nothing like it, is there? You know, when you get that, <clears throat> when you've had something printed or when you've actually printed something up and you've got it there and you you, you actually hold something in your hand that you've created. Mm-hmm. I've said this to other people who don't, because they'll go like, well, you make comics, what for? You know, because <laughs> like, I want it's to. a valid question, yeah. But nothing <laughs> beats that feeling of seeing something that you've done in print. It's yeah. honestly, it's one of the greatest rewards that I think as a as a creator you can have. You know, it must be the same for writing a book or recording an album mm-hmm. or whatever. But actually yeah. seeing it physically is it's just unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. And you're right. It is a drudge and it is hard work and there's days when it's beautiful outside and you know we're up in the studio sweating our bollocks off trying to get a page done and yeah yeah you know you remember uh, Big Brother on the TV yeah. it's like day four thousand six hundred ninety two <laughs> at the drawing board this fucking foot because <laughs> <laughs> again I I can get obsessed about little things. The irony is, I know for a fact that nobody will even look at it. You know, they'll do that two and a half second scan thing. Uh, but for me, it's like, no, it's a matter of principle now. It doesn't look right. <laughs> going it niggles on. you. It niggles oh. you, doesn't it? Yeah. And then there's your day gone. <laughs> You're another day behind. <laughs> and yeah. it still looks shit. <laughs> <laughs> but at least it exists. It does See, exist. That, that's the thing that all these perfect comics people have got in their minds that are perfect but the only problem is they don't exist yeah <laughs> at least we've got comics that aren't perfect but they're real that's true that's very true that's that's brilliant advice i mean i do love that just do it brilliant stuff yeah so what's in the uh what's in the pipeline for fred egg comics anything you can tell us about or any future projects already on the board on the go yeah well i'm always uh got things bubbling away so i i'm starting to think about um my next collection that i was hoping to have out this year right uh before my work my my Mm -hmm. actual work that i go into a building and work (laughs) and can't do comics uh that i I, i'm going back to my usual hours so um i'm still hoping to have it this year we'll see now um but that that collection i've got a fair amount of work done for that i've got maybe 40 pages or something done for that of different stories and i always have guests 
artists um, that I ask if they want to be in it. And so I've got quite a few of them. So I've spent the last week or two writing stories. Yeah, I saw but, you've been writing like shitloads of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, so I was thinking, when's he going to draw a lot? <laughs> yeah, they're written specially for these artists. Um, so I sent all of them out last weekend and uh so they'll they'll there's a deadline on that so they'll start coming back in and in fact one already did come back in and it looks great that's always nice when you it's great to write for other people you know yeah because uh, um they don't do it quite the way you pictured it and uh you go oh yeah that you go that works better than i would have thought you know sometimes you might think no that doesn't work better than what i thought you know? <laughs> but the thing is i, I do it I, I usually do about draw about two thirds of my collection books myself i write and mm. draw them and then i like about maybe a third of it to be the guests i just like doing it i don't know i like the variety mm. i like the i like the idea that i wrote it and they're drawing it so that's that'll be out hopefully this year maybe next year we'll see my, my schedule's only just changed in the last few mm. days um but that's going to be called booze ha ha I just thought I'd let that hang there, that <laughs> title. Um, and then I've also got, a, a, a you, you know, in the style of Bell Time, which was a longer story. Yeah. Um, I've got another one of them that I've completely written. And so I've started laying that out. So I've got about 10 pages of into that of doing layouts for that. Cool. That's gonna, that'll be a longer term project as well. That might take a few years. I just work on everything all the same time, you know, and fit it in. Yeah. And so um, that, that's that been an interesting story. Do you know, I, with, with, with Bell Time, uh, anybody that hasn't read it, there was a slight element of maybe, oh, well, I wrote it on the cover, didn't I? It was something like a sort of time travel body swap story. Yeah. So that had that element. And then with Berserkatron, which was my longer story before that, uh and dump there was a kind of uh you know robot wars on the tv there was kind of yeah. a there was a kind there was magic paint involved and if you painted a berserkatron it maybe made him indestructible it was magic paint um those those two stories were done like that but then this one that i've just written i got to the end and finished it and i realized i hadn't put in any there's no sort of magical science fiction or anything element in the story at all. Right. It's all just straight ahead. And I hadn't even quite planned that. Mm. I thought, well, that's interesting. I've not done that this time. So anyway, yeah. it was interesting to me. Hopefully it'll be interesting to the readers. Yeah. What else? What else? That Comic Smell podcast, we're, we're working away on another. We did a comic. so we're... That's right. I got that as well. Yeah, that was great fun. We're uh, we're working away on a second one of that, so uh, I'll be working on that as well. Uh, that's all I can think of right now. Fantastic! And you've got obviously the uh, the podcast is still the going podcast. strong. So yep. You hoping to get together again soon? The the next one that we've got planned is planned to be kind of outdoors, uh, outside, and we'll all get together. Ah. So hopefully it doesn't pour down the rain. And uh, we'll be able to actually look at each other in real life. 
fantastic stuff. And biscuits will be consumed, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and crisps. That's the problem with this uh, podcast thing I do. It's because I'm on my own, so you can't really sit here munching, like, quavers <laughs> or something. I know. <laughs> it's not it's quite of, right. Yeah. It's like <laughs> sitting on the other end of the line going, is he eating? Can I hear, can I hear crunching? I don't know why that would be annoying, but in, in real life, it's not a problem. No, it always makes me hungry, though, when I listen to it. Oh, uh, do you know, have you ever listened to, to a podcast that, that and, and really they've just been munching all the way through it? Well, maybe you're saying that comic smells like that. But I have listened to some, and it's like, it's actually been kind of unlistenable. I saw I saw some guy sitting, talk about a Yes album, um, and he, and he ate a sandwich all the way through it, and it was so. It was interesting what he was saying, but it was oh, it was disgusting. <laughs> you know, it was. No, you don't need that. Oh, no. You have some standards, don't you? I mean, you should only have dry food for a start. <laughs> yeah, crunch is okay. Something audible. But squelch. I was listening to a podcast the other day actually, and um, they you could keep hearing them now and then opening a. a can of lager or something you know that that and I was by the end of it I was like yeah, I need a drink I've got to have a yeah. drink I was like twitching yeah because <laughs> again that's one of those lovely sounds that you kind of go oh, it's unmistakable isn't it but you're like oh when we about five or six years ago um I went through to Thought Bubble where and it was with the Treehouse comic guys at the time and we we arrived quite late and we went into the pub and, you know, it was freezing, you know, because it was like yeah. October or whatever. And they were like, oh, I'm getting a pint, you know. And I thought, I've got a right want for a cup of tea. And they were like, you, you, really? I said, yeah, I'm going to go up to the bar and ask for a cup of tea. And so that's what I did. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're all sat, having arrived. And, you know, um, I've, I've got my spoon, right? And I'm sitting with my cup of tea and it's ding, 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 ding. You know, I'm stirring it. And you just saw people like listening. Oh, what's that noise? You know, unusual noise in a pub at half yeah. eleven at night. And then like half an hour later, hey, here comes the waiter with the, the you know the table next to us with the with the tray with like eight cups of tea on it. <laughs> so that just shows you the power of suggestion. Yeah. Probably people going, I didn't know you could get tea in here. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure myself, but I just thought, well, that's what I want, so I'm going to ask. Yeah. I mean, who wants a pint of beer on a freezing winter's night? I didn't. Well, I, you know, I'm a trooper, though. I would have, you know. I'd, you would have took one a, for the team. I, that's it. I'd say it's a community service, because someone would have to drink it. So <laughs> might as well be me. Oh, I, I applaud you. That's, oh, well, that's, you know, that's admirable. I'm nothing if not um, selfless. <laughs> <laughs> you force yourself. <laughs> oh, that's been that's been absolutely brilliant, mate. Really enjoyed that. I'm glad we've managed to um, to catch up. It's been great fun. Yeah, I've, been, I've enjoyed it. Cool. And do you want to give people some links to like your social media and and where they can buy your stuff, things like that? Oh yeah. Well, the thing to remember with me is Fred Egg Comics, and so uh, um, I'm FredEggComics.com. Uh, I've got a blog as well, freddycomics.blogspot.co.uk, I think now they changed it actually. And you can hear me wittering on about all comics type things there. Uh, at at freddycomics, Twitter, uh, what else? Facebook, I'm on there. Uh, I'm David Robertson on there. But I look like Fred Egg in my profile picture. 
what else? That Comic Smell podcast. Uh, and there's links to my shop and all that on, on the website and the blog. So, yeah. Excellent. Get, get in touch. And if you've never seen or read David's stuff, then you, you're missing out. You, you really are. And particularly, as I say, you know, one of my favourites was uh, was the recent one that Tay Bridgie did. I just thought that was a beautiful piece of work. I really genuinely did think that was, that was well, something much. else. It was not what I was expecting at all. It was It was brilliant really good so i'll put all the links in the um in the show notes so that people can you've got no excuse people basically (laughs) if we we don't get it if we don't get reports of a spike in sales then um i'm very disappointed in you oh fingers crossed (laughs) (laughs) anyway spike for me is like one copy (laughs) so (laughs) every copy counts eh? every every sale yeah that's the way and if you're interested in um finding out more about my work then everything is at art 92 so the facebook's art 92 the twitter instagram it's all art 92 we've got a youtube channel where h does free drawing lessons where she teaches people how to draw animals that again is art 92 because as i say every week you know you get to our age you're lucky if you remember to put your pants on in the morning so if you've got more than one bloody social media handle you you're screwed basically um and if you've enjoyed this show then you can check out previous episodes it's on podbean spotify apple Podcasts. it's on loads of i keep getting these emails saying you're now on this and i'm like i don't even know what that is i've never heard of it so chances <laughs> are we're, we're probably bobbing around somewhere and uh <laughs> You can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And just once again, I'd just like to thank you, mates, for giving up your time and, and coming on. It's been been really good fun. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. And Super. we must have a, a right old complaint about Star Wars one of these days. Oh, we will. Frank we will. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll have to. <laughs> That'll be a mashup episode, won't it? Yeah. <laughs> Although I believe uh, I believe George Lucas asked Frank Zappa to do the cantina music first. No. Yes, I did read that somewhere. You should never say these things until you remember the uh, the source of it, and of course you can never remember the source of it. But I'll just dangle that out there as a as a tantalising possibility that could have well, been. Well, in my mind, that's Star Wars canon now. So that actually be, happened. Yeah. I will be repeating that now. As, as a fact a solid fact and if yeah. anyone's listening to this don't look it up and tell me it didn't happen because i don't believe you um <laughs> david said it did and it did so there yeah yeah it's absolute fact brilliant i can back it up <laughs> i just don't know how but i can he's actually got a, a sketch drawing of the incident of george lucas asking frank zappa to do it so that's proof enough for me I know Frank Zappa was Jack Kirby's uh, neighbour. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that photo that goes around with the two of them, oh. that's unbelievable. That's like two universes uh, clashing yeah. there. Brilliant. Yeah. What a time to be alive, eh? Unbelievable. Just amazing stuff, isn't it? Talk about creativity in a room. My I know. Word. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> on that note, I will leave you with a, a typically Scottish outro which is a piece of advice from the great Billy Connolly, who said, never trust a man who, when left alone with a tea cosy, doesn't try it on. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>